Hello there, citizens. I am the terror that flaps in the night. I am the floaty that will not flush no matter how many times you try in the toilet bowl of crime. I am Darkwing Duck. Telling you, please, talk hard and enjoy the mindgasm. <laughs> Whatever the heck that means. After all, you are watching Intellectual Podcast with your ears. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 131st episode of the Intellectual Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Dawson, and I just want to thank you once again for joining us on the show. Sorry for this delayed episode. We are about two days behind schedule, but we're getting it out. And uh, the reason for it is just as simple as we were making a movie last weekend. It was an amazing experience. The film's called The Recency Effect. It's our entry in the Four Points Film Project. And I am so incredibly proud of the film that this team put together uh, from our actors all the way down to our crew members um, and our location. Everything went as swimmingly and dreamlike as a director could possibly hope for. And I can't wait for people to see the film. I know that there will be a public screening here in San Diego on December 9th, along with all the other San Diego entries in the Four Points Film Project, and it's going to be a great experience seeing everybody's movies together on the big screen, so I'm looking forward to that. And don't forget, uh, just a few days before, on December 4th at the Horton Grand Theater at, uh, I believe, 7 p.m., uh, we're going to be doing a two-year celebration of the Intellectual Podcast. We recently turned two years old, and we're going to celebrate in style at the Horton Grand Theater with a live podcast event. There will also be some other surprises, pro- probably some short films to watch, uh, and uh, hopefully a, a really cool special guest will join us on stage for the podcast. So be looking out for that. You can buy your tickets. They're only $10, and I believe there's still some early bird tickets available right now at ixe 2 that's I-X-E for Intellectual Entertainment, and the number two, I-X-E-2.eventbrite.com. So go grab your tickets for the event today. We look forward to seeing you on December 4th at the Horton Grand Theater. And now, we're going to go into the 131st episode of the Intellectual Podcast with our special guest, Francine Filzinger of the San Diego Filmmakers Group. And uh, Francine has a lot to say. We talk about the, the film office we talk about what the San Diego Filmmakers offers to uh, people who are making movies here in San Diego, and uh, it's a great discussion. So here it is, Francine Filzinger, on the 131st episode of the Intellectual Podcast. Talk hard and enjoy the mindgasm. The Intellectual Podcast starts now. We can talk about sports, by the way, especially football, if you want. <laughs> I have no desire, but no, uh, Mark I'm just might. I'm talking about the Chargers. Oh no, not the Chargers. Uh, okay, <laughs> I mean I'll talk about the Chargers, but I don't have I'm a very bye. good. I don't have a very good opinion. I just felt like we were we were in a like a ESPN thing going on. Here. Oh yeah. <laughs> so tell me, Francine, how's uh, how's your take on how the Mets are going to do in the World Series? Well, can we talk about football? <laughs> I do football. <laughs> is your team the Pats? Yes, it is. Oh, because you're from New England. Born and raised. Rhode Island. Yes. That's where I'm from. Did you know that? No, I did not know that. See that poster over there? South Kingston, Rhode Island. Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah. I'm from Newport. I'm just on oh, the other side on of the, the bridge. Other... Yeah, you are. Okay. Newport's yes. very nice. Yes, it is. It's I go gorgeous. there every time I go back. Are you a Pats fan? Yes. Of course. Pats, Red Sox, Bruins. 
Yes. Celts. Okay, so tell me about the uh, the last play of the Super Bowl, the Malcolm Butler interception. What, last year? Well, this past Super Bowl, Super Bowl yeah. Tell you about it? Well, do you really think <laughs> How'd you feel that oh, okay. Marshawn Lynch? <laughs> Don't make her pull teeth, man. <laughs> <laughs> I can do this interview. <laughs> yes, I, I can talk about a, a zero cover, three corner defense, if you'd oh. like, with eight men in the box versus six men in the box. She's deep into it, huh? Oh, very nice. deep. Did you go uh, last fall when they played the Chargers? I did not. No. I, I was I was fearful of, of being um, murdered in the parking lot oh for God. being an obnoxious Patriots fan. You want fan. to talk about murder? Someone must have died over the weekend when the Chargers and the Raiders played. Oh, I know. Those are two of the biggest thug fans ever. It's going to be fascinating having them share a stadium. I can't even comprehend how that's going to work. Well, oh yeah, that's true. One of them is going to have to become an NFC team because they can't <laughs> both be AFC teams. So that's going to change the league. Yeah, that's Which, true. How do you change? The San Diego Chargers, 1960, one of the original AFL teams. How do you change them, and how do you remove them from San Diego? I don't know. That Bring history? Up to Carson. They want to move. <laughs> I know. I just it's, but it's mind-boggling. The tradition, the history. If you're a football purist, how do you do that? It's such a bland part where they're bringing it. It is Carson, right? Mm-hmm. Or across from where the Goodyear blimp is. That's off the 405, right? Yeah. Yes, it's Carson. Uh, and actually, the beach. the LA Galaxy plays right there their mm-hmm. stadium is right there at cal state dominguez hills and they they do very well they're they're one of the most attended uh, soccer franchises in the league mm-hmm. so i mean people will drive to that area to watch sports teams play mm-hmm. yes. you know i don't know it's well, in the I, of nowhere though well I, I guess qualcomm is too though yeah you know but i do have to say i love the char- chargers mm-hmm. um and i i do root for them whenever they're not playing the pats because i <laughs> Grew up with my dad, and it's kind of a family thing playing football out in the backyard and stuff uh, before the game. So, but the Chargers are the most frustrating team, which is which is what I think is part of this issue. Yeah, no, they definitely are. There's our girl, male lady. Hey, <laughs> oh, what's that? <laughs> what was that thing she had in her hand? Was it bag? Telephone book. Oh, the yellow pages. They still make those? <laughs> Apparently they left it on your I, I thought I saw a guy come by in a horse and buggy the other day. Is that what he left? That's what it was. Yes. Wow, it's really shrunk, though. Uh, no. Mm, yeah. Oh, good, great. Good, good. This is cool. This is how we work. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm fine. I just didn't know. I didn't see any little red light come on on the air. You know, I do so have it on the air acrylic. Oh, yeah? I, I've been thinking about, like, bringing it here and hanging it off your Oh, screen. really? Yeah. yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. Taping in progress. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know. <laughs> what, so when did you move here? Uh, where? To San Diego? Yes. Oh, geez. A long time ago, probably. Maybe 20 years ago? 20 years ago. Okay. So, yeah. So are you a Californian or a Rhode Islander? I'm both. Okay. I'm both. Uh, you, you never forget your home. No. I'm a Rhode Islander in California. I don't yeah, that's, associate that's myself it. as a Californian. I know the license says it in my residence and I can vote here, but I'm like, no, I'm a Rhode Islander <laughs> in San Diego. <laughs> well, I'm both. But I moved too much when I was young. I don't, I don't identify don't with associate. any place, really. Mm. I mean, San Diego is probably what I identify most with, but yeah. I was born in Pocatello, Idaho. Uh-huh. Wow. Well, you know, it was tough growing up in, in Rhode Island because, you know, they had a height restriction. You could only be so tall and so big because it's such a small state. So you had to, <laughs> yeah, there was all these height issues and, you know, size restrictions. So. Yep. If you're over 6'4", you got to move to Massachusetts. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It's tough. Uh, how often do you go back? 
Not very often. No. Most of my family is, is gone. Oh. <laughs> so. I see. Yeah. I actually ha- I have something over there on that wall. It's a Rhode Island poster. I want to see if you can remember any of the icons there. I can't see it. Yeah, so Ocean I mean, State poster? It is. Can I bring it, it closer? Yes, you can. Right. I will try. I'm not sure how good a podcasting it'll been. be. Yeah, okay. Nobody will be able to see That's it. That's true. I'm kind of centuries old, too, so you know, things could have <laughs> changed. You, would, uh, like, you remember Dell's Lemonade? No. No? I do remember the Black Pearl restaurant, and they Black make the, the great, greatest um, clam chowder. Oh, was that in Newport? That was in Newport. Okay. Yes. yes. And then there was the, the White Pearl. Horse Tavern, which I think it was Redbeard founded. Yeah. Yeah, you know, one of those pirates like back in the 16th century. It's really old, Newport. Now, New England clam chowder is the white one, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, okay, good. that's a good one. But it's not racist, even though it's wasp. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, just not to be confused with the red one in Manhattan. So, yeah, that's funny. I had to make sure I said that. <laughs> I don't want us to be firebombed or anything ah. else. Ah, it's the internet. People are going to hate us anyway. It's that's just the true. way it is. It's just the way it is. It is the way it is. Actually, we've been remarkably hate-free so far. So That's good. You know. Wait until Scorch's I'm waiting for it to happen. Plays, though. All those Opie and, and Anthony fans. Mm. Yeah. What brought you to California from Rhode Island? Oh, uh, long story. I did go to school at UC Berkeley, ah. oh, okay. which is affectionately known as UC Berserkly, which mm-hmm. is very obvious reasons. And it was quite quite interesting from yeah. a girl from Rhode Island, you know, yeah. and you show up on the campus of Berkeley. <laughs> very it's unusual. very liberal there, I would only imagine. Well, right? liberal, and I mean, we still had remnants from the uh, 60s. Okay. You know, the polka dot man uh, and other, <laughs> other interesting people. So, yeah, yes. that's, a, that's a school that's going to... Never be able to live down its 60s reputation. Yeah. No. And they don't want to. I mean, they're no, still they really there. Don't. They'll always be that way. <laughs> OB is kind of like that, too. Although it's slowly getting gentrified, but. Ooh, gentrified. Yeah. That gentrification is not exact. It's not a bad thing, gentrification. I guess it depends on which side of gentrification you land on. Yeah, I guess. Like East Village, will, for instance, that's been gentrified lately, but it's looking nice and they got the towers and. Like 10 well, years like Encinitas ago. went through it too. Oh, they did. You know, Solana mm-hmm. Beach has gone through it. Like most of the coastal cities have been going through it. Oceanside yeah. went through it in the last eight or nine years. Mm. And in Oceanside's case, it was a really good thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, know, it got was. Got rid of all the strip clubs. Strip and clubs, yeah. I remember all the sex shops? Oh, and yeah. all, all the things Downtown. that the Marines mm-hmm. like. Right. Oh, I was gonna say, yeah, <laughs> you know? Camp Pendleton's down the road. Okay, no, yeah, I didn't yeah, even yeah. know that. Now Oceanside. there's a lot of you know craft breweries and yeah. you know nice little shops, and wow. they've got the pier stuff all set up nice. Before my they got, time, they've got a resort really? there now. Yeah, so it's really made the place nice. There's only one strip club left. Mm. It's on the north side before you get to the the waterway between. Did you go on your way down here? (laughs) (laughs) No, I I Uber people there. Oh, really? Okay. (laughs) What did you study at Berkeley? International relations, Soviet and Eastern European studies. Yes. How useful is that now? Well, you know, um, I can remember being at a graduate conference and there were all the top Sovietologists from Georgetown, Johns Hopkins, Harvard School, uh, and there were three themes to this conference. One, you'll never see German reunification. Two, <laughs> you'll never see the dissolution of the Soviet Union. And three, you'll never see the dissolution of the Warsaw Pact. And wow. all that happened in like a <laughs> yeah. five-year period, right? Yikes. And so What's education, like there. what can I say? Yeah. <laughs> it's like a domino. <laughs> that just it's, down they all yeah, went. Yeah, no one really saw it coming, I guess. But 
That's why I look at my education very fondly and never worked in international relations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, hilarious. Yes. So what ended up bringing you to San Diego? Oh, marriage. Yes. No? Okay. Yes. So my husband was a Marine Corps officer ah. he was stationed here. Mm, okay. Infantry. Hoorah. <laughs> and uh, so you've got your international relations, which didn't become very useful very quickly. Uh, where did things go for you? Um, well, I utilized it a little bit and worked in international business. Okay. Uh, I worked in the telecommunications industry for a while, and then I spent some time in the golf industry. I was a golf professional, teaching professional for several years and then migrated into manufacturing Mm -hmm. and worked for a multinational um, mid-tier golf manufacturer. Nice. In international sales. And how do you go from that to where you're at now? Oh, just being an insane person and you just go (laughs) off into these tangents. But I've always been in, besides... um, being in business, I've always been a, I guess one would describe me as an artist. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah. you went to Berkeley, so there's got to be. Well, yeah. yeah. There's got to be some <laughs> crazy streak inside of you. <laughs> there is. Uh, <laughs> I started out as a classical pianist uh, and did quite well. Uh, was accepted to Peabody Conservatory uh, of Music. And um, so I've always had this kind of creative bent. And um, I write and I kind of wanted to get interested in acting and mm. took some classes. And Who doesn't, right? <laughs> I know. It was fun. But what I've found in, in art is it's just a, um, it's a single spirit. And it just comes out in a variety of ways. I'm a, actually an international award-winning still photographer, fine art photographer. Mm. Uh, and it was just a very natural jump to go into filmmaking because for me, basically, uh, filmmaking is is really a series of of succinctly created still photographs, right? And they just eventually move motion yeah. picture. Motion picture. Yeah, the best the best so, cinematographers understand that. Yes. You know. So you know, lighting is everything, and story is everything because you have to tell a story in one frame. Mm-hmm. So it has to be very succinct, uh, and the lighting and 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 the placement of the composition, it all creates a very very important story mm-hmm. so that it does usually anyways usually should <laughs> so that In theory that, that's the interest not everybody pulls it off yeah um yeah like, like for me kubrick was mm. the epitome of perfect framing yes the, yes his films every one of them whether you enjoy the movie itself or not that's you know always debatable but mm-hmm. i could sit and just watch his movies with the sound off mm-hmm. Because I yes. love the pictures. Yes. Um, going all the way back to, you know, even Lolita, <laughs> you know, just yes. his framing, the lighting, the shading, everything mm-hmm. was immaculate from, from moment to moment all the way through. Yeah. And for me as a still photographer, I go back to George Harrell, you know, mm-hmm. one of the, the famous um, studio photographers of the 30s and the 40s mm-hmm. and his ability to, to light um, his subjects and the way that one would think, oh, it's it's just a it's just a portrait, but they were alive, yeah. mm. and that taught me so much because in filmmaking, character development is critical, 
know, it starts with an excellent script, obviously, because, and sometimes not even the words, sometimes it's just the lighting and it's the, the, like you were talking about the framing and that was critical. So, so studying him and observing the way that he brought out the spirit, you know, of his subject Mm -hmm. taught me tons about filmmaking. Yeah. 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 I like that a lot. I, uh, I did a short film that I DP'd up in LA a few years back and it was about this couple who lost their, their child in the mm. opening of the film and how they both kind of mm. work through the process of their grief. And mm. it primarily focuses on the husband through the film um, mm. and, and really focuses on his grief and his interactions with his wife. But we see his interactions really kind of through the, the lens of his grief. So I, I worked as the DP on that and I used – windows and mirrors and glass as often as possible Mm -hmm. to distort or Mm. or put a haze or a fog between him and his wife and Mm. he he never could quite see her clearly and you know because he was too focused on himself and when he finally gets through his grief he's clear Mm. i shoot him like i shoot a normal person and the final few shots of his wife are then shot through the f- the fog of mm-hmm. through the glass of a table through the glass of a window, and I, I bookended the last shot of her with one of the first shots of him walking out of the house. The exact mm-hmm. same thing, but them on opposite sides of the glass now, because she hadn't processed through her grief and he hadn't helped her. Is that uh, is, is there so some- I used all that to to convey both of their emotional states mm-hmm. through the film? I thought. I thought it was very effective, you know. <laughs> well, you know, what I was thinking about when you were describing that was kind of that an allegorical look at um, how men are trained to not show emotion mm-hmm. and was some of that, that haziness and, and it, it, you know, his, his natural inclination to not be able to share his grief or to, to be able to acknowledge the depth of his grief, especially to, you know, his wife, mm-hmm. which yeah. is kind of an interesting take on that as well. Yeah, and I, I got I, I had such a good time figuring out how to shoot that mm. and really thought thought it through before we ever set foot on set. Um how I wanted the 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 framing and the lighting and the the composition of every shot to convey their emotional status at any given time. So well here's an interesting question then. How mm-hmm. much of filmmaking not to take your your portion as the host here, but how much of filmmaking um, is is planned, and how much of it is inspiration? You know, you may have a preconceived idea how a certain scene should look, but do you find yourself sometime walking onto that set and and getting ready to start, and then something hits you and you change? Yeah, I like to I like to say that you should be one hundred percent prepared to change your mind at any moment. Hmm. Mm. That, that's <laughs> I like that. That's that's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, that works. You know, because for me, it's like because film is so collaborative. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's the most collaborative art form that there is. Because you know, a painter can paint alone. A photographer can shoot photos alone. Stand up. Stand up is all by himself. Even theater can be a one man. Mm-hmm performance and with just one light turned on them, you know, I mean, it is possible to do most art forms in a, in a, in a singularity. 
making a movie alone is really, really, really hard. <laughs> it's almost impossible. Yeah. And so for me, it's like I can have everything prepped and everything ready to go and have a structure in place. But once I show up to shoot it, I have to be open to the fact that there are other voices involved. There are other points of view involved. And I need to be open and receptive to hearing what they are because some of them may be better than my own. Hmm. And I think the successful productions are the ones that are open to going whatever route actually is the best route for the movie, not just the most prepared route for the movie. And sometimes that requires you doing stuff last minute because this, this makes so much more sense, Yes, you know, and you gotta, you gotta have the flexibility to make it happen. Yeah. So that's very good. hundred percent prepared to change your mind. I like that. Do you find that to be true also? Or? I think that might be my motto that I didn't even know was my motto. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I could adapt to that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, it's a very collaborative art. And um, open-mindedness, it's, uh, it goes a long way on set, I think. you know, mm-hmm. I've worked with directors who aren't, and mm-hmm. uh, it's just not a good working relationship, you know, or actors that weren't. But um, for the most part, you know, you're all, especially at this level of the game, you know, I mean, yeah. no one's, no one should really have egos and uh, no one's really getting paid, you know, so. <laughs> uh, ego has nothing to do with income. Yeah, that's yes, true. that's true. <laughs> that is point. very true. <laughs> uh, so you are the president of uh, San Diego Filmmakers now, right? Yes, that is, that is true. Nice. And how long ago was that? Was that last couple of years, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I've, I, I don't go to as many meetings as I'd like to, just because it sure. always seems like the uh, that Tuesday. I don't know something. Yeah, I understand. So actually, can I give you some uh, constructive criticism? Oh, totally. Okay, we covet that. Please do. Uh, this is what they do. So they they send out the email a week before the meeting. Yes. I don't know. I think by that time, you know, you're, you're probably like a few hundred emails in. So I, I think that maybe they should kind of send it out maybe the day before. So it's on a Tuesday. Maybe send it out on that Monday or something like that. I'm like, oh, don't worry. We don't actually worry. did that this last time. Oh, you did? Okay. Yep. Ah. And I'm I'm actually toying with the idea of perhaps doing – we don't want to bombard people. No, but no. But maybe doing uh, a newsletter that just basically talks about that particular speaker for that month. Yeah. And then – um, the reminder. The, the reminder. Yeah. And then actually then have one that has all our upcoming events too. Yeah. So it gives people some forewarning so they can plan and then, oh, reminder, this guy's coming. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think most of our audience knows about San Diego filmmakers, but mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a few listening who don't. Yes. You want to run down on what, what it is San Diego Filmmakers does? I well, endorse it's, it. It's been, thank you. <laughs> I endorse it 100%. 100%. Yes. Um, it's actually been involved, evolving. It's celebrating its 10th year this mm-hmm. year. So it's one of the oldest, if not the oldest, um, uh, filmmaking uh, organization. And we have basically three goals. One is education. We um, want to make sure that our meetings are educational. Mm-hmm. Um, second goal is that we want to provide uh, opportunities for people to make contacts and to to talk with each other about what they're doing and their projects. We can't say networking because we are a 501c3 nonprofit. Oh, really? <laughs> so we don't network. Oh, wow. <laughs> we just 
we just socialize, socialize, <laughs> talk, and talk with each other. Yeah. But it's talk a good turkey, break good opportunity. Bread. Yeah. Uh, so that that's part of our, our meetings, and and another thing that's really important to us is reaching out to the community. Uh, advocating on behalf of of filmmakers, and mm-hmm. we spend a lot of time cultivating relationships with our our civil leaders, mm-hmm. um, being able to um, provide to them some of the struggles and challenges that filmmakers have. So when they're legislating, that they consider that uh, we've been working very much with uh, the mayor Mayor Faulkner's office and uh, the county board of supervisors, specifically Dave Roberts, in terms of of working on the film office mm-hmm. as has a lot of, a lot of organizations. So we spent a great deal of time. Yeah, uh, actually the event you had a month ago with yes. uh, supervisor Roberts and, um, Kristen Tilquist, Kristen Tilquist from the mayor's office. Yes. That's the first San Diego filmmakers event I've been to in like seven oh. years. So. Well, we were glad that you were there to represent the film consortium. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, it was, it was good that you did that. I, I really, I had only heard secondhand mm. what was going on and uh, it was good to hear from them directly. Yes. And, you know, I, I thought a lot of the questions became very redundant for a while. Oh, right. Yes. I didn't go. Every, I was in Rhode Island that week. Everybody's got their, <laughs> everybody's got their personal, Newport, their personal questions they want answered and they don't necessarily, yeah. you know, hear everybody else's questions. But, but I thought it was a very good night. Um, and then we, had, we had, uh, Supervisor Roberts on the show. Yes, um, which he has week. retweeted several times, by the way. Yeah, I've noticed. Um, and and so I, I sat at the filmmakers meeting and thought, well, not everybody could make it here. Like Mark couldn't right. make it here. Exactly. And, uh, exactly. and not everybody is, you know, paying attention to San Diego filmmakers. Not everybody right. pays attention to us. But, you know, the more of us. Sure. Exactly. You know, get them on <laughs> and have no, them talk, exactly the right. better we can educate the whole community. Right. Um, so, so I thank you for, for having oh, that meeting because that yes. that opened my eyes to a show I needed to have on our show. <laughs> well, I'm I'm in regular contact with both offices. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I do post on, on all the major Facebook pages, um, film office updates and I'll have another one coming out later this week. So stay tuned on that. <laughs> I'll let you know when, it, when, when that one's done. Um, and then the third thing that filmmakers, uh, feels very, very, um, feels very important is our student filmmakers. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, reach out in terms of providing a scholarship. Um, our scholarships, we awarded three scholarships last year. Uh, and what's very cool about them is that they're finishing scholarships they're not scholarships toward tuition. Mm-hmm. They're actually scholarships to students to make films. Nice. And so we have uh, Greg LeFay, who is a, a media consultant, who is a former CNN bureau chief and won a national um, Emmy Award for his coverage of the Oklahoma City bombing. He acts as mentor. So he actually is in communication with them on a monthly basis mm-hmm. uh, as they are going through their project, helping them through. And then when the project is finished, they actually do come and share it, screen it at one of our, our meetings. Nice. So that's something that we do. And then the second thing we do is we sponsor the uh, Encinitas Student Film Festival and Symposium, which is a one-day symposium where students can come from all over North County, but we are going to be expanding it to San Diego next year because we were able to get some grants. Um, and they have the ability to take 10 workshops mm-hmm. or two, actually choose two out of 10, and then they also get to see a, a full production crew we were talking about uh, actually film a 
vaccine. And then we have a keynote speaker, which is um, this year uh, is Jordan Roberts, who is uh, an A-list Hollywood writer and director. And he's coming back and uh, to speak and to be completely involved. So we do a lot of things with students as well. Mm-hmm. Um, do I pass for a student, by the way? No. Yeah, sure. You can come. <laughs> he, you is, can actually. he is in school right now. He's taking yeah, producing class. Well, yeah, that's not that's just high school. With Jody. Well, that's fine. Yeah. It's high school and college. So, yes, you can. Um, where in Encinitas do you do the festival? Um, it's very cool. Because I, I basically grew up in Encinitas. I, oh. I went to Degano Junior High and I went to San Diego, class of 93. Oh, very cool. Yeah. And, uh, yes, very know, cool. I, if I was to call any place my hometown, that's, that's my hometown. Hmm. Well, we actually hold the symposium at the community center, which is, has mm-hmm. fabulous, fabulous um, uh, facilities. Is so. that the building up by Oakcrest? Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes. That, that went in after I left. Wow. Yes, of course. Well, they were waiting. No, <laughs> just yep. kidding. Um, yeah, so we have the symposium there, and then we screen the films at the La Paloma Theater, okay. which was built in 1929. I performed on stage at the Did La Paloma you? for a senior slideshow. Oh, very cool. Um, I actually sang A Whole New World with the girl I went to <laughs> high Aladdin? school with. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Fully costumed Jasmine? out. Wow. I was Jasmine. Were, you, uh, were you Aladdin? Yeah. Who was Jasmine? Uh, my friend Christina Stamatolatos. She would look like Jasmine. Jasmine. Yeah. Good enough. She was That's my hot, favorite Disney princess, Jasmine. She was a hot Jasmine. Greek, oh, hot Greek hot. girl dressed yeah. up as Jasmine. Oh, right. was, well, was all right. hot. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's kind of yeah. fitting to to have them screen because Mary Pickford and and Charlie Chaplin mm-hmm. used to come and oh, really? hang yeah, out there a, at La Paloma. So it's a great oh, old yeah, old theater. It's just an old beautiful Art Deco. So it's so fitting because we have our next generation of students screening their films, and their, yeah. these films are amazing. I tell you, so. Well, we should talk offline. <laughs> yes, we can talk more about that. Um, I'll send you some behind the scenes uh, videos. I'd, I'd love to do something there. You know, sure, um, get part, involved with part, us. Part of your deal. Um, we need we need production. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Anybody out there, filmmakers? It's my town, we need you know? production. It's my town. Support anything going on in my old town. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. So it's yeah. So that's basically in a nutshell what filmmakers does. Mm-hmm. Um, I like uh, – I went to one about two months ago, the one with Merrick and Billy yes, Cowart. That was yes, a good one, yeah. Yes. I, I like how you have like everyone introduce themselves. Yeah, that's kind of a like, unique oh, – I'm going to talk to them later. Not network. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I'm going to talk about business no, later. That's right. We, we do a 15-second introduction. <laughs> yeah. We didn't do it the night you were there because it was such a huge, huge crowd. Yeah. Um, but we normally have a 15 – where people have 15 seconds to, to say who they are, what yeah. they do, what they're looking for, mm-hmm. or what they're in need of. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's nice. And then our next speaker coming up November 10th is Paul Babin, who is incredible. You have to read our newsletter. It just went out today. Oh, I did um, get that. Yeah. He, yep. he is the 2012 Lifetime um, Achievement Award winner for the Society of Camera Operators. Nice. I mean, he has worked for Spielberg, Weir. Um, I mean, just aware. a number. He was the main camera operator on True Lies, on... Um, Filmed in Newport. <laughs> True lies. Yeah. yeah. The uh, mansions. Oh, the mansions. Yeah. yeah. I used to play recitals in those mansions. <laughs> yeah. The breakers. So, the breakers. Yes. Yeah. Beautiful there. Um, so anyway, he's was the main camera operator on a lot of those major films. So he's our, our guest speaker. That's nice. cool. Yeah, totally. To have someone like that. And then we also have uh, coming up Richard Crudo, who is the president of the American Society of Cin- Cinematographers. Mm-hmm. He'll be uh, coming up the first part of next year. 
Uh, he's also on the board of governors for the Oscars. Oh, so cool. serious. Plus his filmology is just incredible. Um, and we have um, Doug Knapp coming, who did all the Star Trek movies and episodes. He's going to come speak. Nice. So I can't wait to hear all the, the dish on the, because the, I'm a trekker. Okay, yeah. I'll admit it. I'm a trekker. You're so. a trekker, huh? Me too. <laughs> totally so. Um, I was cleaning about my, Star Wars. I was cleaning my room last night. I think he did work with, on some Star Wars. Oh, I was cleaning my room last Wars? night, and I came across my, uh, my magnets. Uh, did you? Trek communicator pin. Uh, I actually had the. <laughs> so I put it on and cleaned my room with that on, <laughs> on my T-shirt. I actually had the complete <laughs> disc Stardate. disc um, uh, collection of Starfleet Academy. Nice. I know. Wow. Can you believe it? That Amazing. I'm that I, bad. Yes. Uh, what What did you think of the uh, the TNG Blu-rays? The TNG Blu-rays. I don't know. I didn't. You haven't gotten them yet. No. You've got to get them. It's like you've never watched the show before. I can't figure out how to get my, my, my Blu-ray um, deal. See, I don't do tech. It's, I'm just a complete, <laughs> complete artist. I just don't do tech. I just now have a smartphone. Mm. Um, but for some reason, it won't read my Blu-ray discs. Mm. It'll read normal DVDs, but it won't read Blu-ray discs. Make sure it's a Blu-ray player. <laughs> it says, uh, yeah, it's like Samsung Blu-ray, like one of their top of the line, and it hates me. I <laughs> Anything do to do with- Do you have warranty com- still? <laughs> oh, yeah. But I mean, anything with computers. Might I mean, my Apple computer has been in the shop uh, twice already, mm-hmm. and I haven't, you know, my laptop blew up. And Well, if you're, if you're a Trek fan and yes. you're a filmmaker, the, the TNG Blu-rays are- Yes. Worth their weight in gold. Yes. They're so good. They they went through and digitally remastered from the 35 millimeter original. From the original crate. 60s? Are we talking about no, like. I'm, I'm, the 60s ones were upgraded to HD okay. years and years okay. ago. But I'm but, talking about the next generation. Okay. When we watched The Next Jean-Luc Generation on TV Picard. with Jean Luc Picard, yes. um, that was all edited on beta. Okay. Right? Okay. They shot on 35, but they, okay. they did the effects and they did all the editing on beta. And so when they went to do the HD upgrades, okay. Paramount spent uh, spent the money Uh-oh. and went back to the original film negatives, digitized wow. the original film negatives, and had to search all over the country for them because they were in various storage units, Seriously. you know, in Tennessee and the in the vaults and you know wherever. Wow. Went through, did all several years of finding all the various pieces that had survived through time and they ended up only missing a few seconds of footage in each season, Hmm. but they read, they digitized all the 35 millimeter re-edited from the editor notes that Hmm. the editors had for every episode and then took all the, all the special effects negatives and digitized all those. And so as much as possible, everything you see in it is original content upgraded to HD, which is amazing. Uh Well, Doug Knapp that we were talking about, he did 92 of those episodes. Yeah. He was the camera operator for 92 of those episodes. Cool. So we're going to have to definitely revisit this yeah. offline. Because it's really, <laughs> it's really interesting because like when you see the Enterprise flying into, into a shot, like the yeah. windows are all lit up and there's so much detail in it now yeah. that you didn't even get in the original broadcast because the original broadcasts were already stepped down to beta before they were edited and then output you know, for broadcast. And so there was a quality loss that existed yeah. in even the original broadcasts that wow. you don't see in these Blu-rays. It's unbelievable. Wow. 
I Excellent. sat and watched all seven seasons like I'd never seen them before. Well, we'll definitely and have their, to. And their behind-the-scenes features are incredible, especially season three. It's all the writers. Mm. And it's all the writers talking about the process of changing the writing on the show over the years. Because mm. Roddenberry didn't want the humans fighting with humans. Mm. And, you know, it's utopian society and they were like we were really struggling trying to find drama in the first couple seasons <laughs> well yeah <laughs> and he didn't want story arcs that existed over the course of seasons he wanted every episode to be you know individual stories without any long arcs for characters and stuff mm. so it's really interesting to they they get into so much depth and detail about crafting a tv series yeah fascinating um, it's cool. Oh, it's I can't believe I just said that. Did you hear what I just said? Fascinating. 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 Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> but yeah, if you're a trekker, you, yeah. you got you to get your Blu-ray player fixed and you got to get the Well, Blu-rays. you know, I don't know. It's just me. It's just me. It's anything technical. I, except my camera. I don't, haven't blown up my camera yet. There you go. So. What kind of camera are you using? I have a 5D Canon 5D, Canon 5D? Nice. Mark III. Sweet. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's great in low light too. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things about it. Yeah, I uh, I have a Canon T three I that I shoot on. Well, a lot of people. Uh, matter of fact, I think Brugemeyer. Brugemeyer's got a T two I. Yeah, a T two I. I started with a T two I. I loved that camera. Yeah. That was a great camera. Yeah. I I haven't seen any need to change no. yet. I just I, I I might I might change to to like an Ursa Mini. Just mm. so I can go 4K. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a chance of working on the on the the granddaddy Ursa on the Daydream Hotel movie down at Hotel Dell. Mm-hmm. Really liked the picture. Yeah, oh, nice. Yeah, it's a those Black Magic cameras are pretty. Yeah, pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, for me, I think as a still photographer, it was it was the low light capability. Mm-hmm. Um, that dynamic range. It, it's very, very challenging for a still photographer because it's so easy to get your, your blacks clipped and your whites overblown. Right. And the sensitivity of this, of the, the, uh, th- the Mark three sensors just, is just amazing. The things as a, cause I love black and white. So being able to get that full dynamic range. Yeah. Uh, well, that's what I like about the Ursa. Yeah. Like 15 stops of dynamic range. Oh. It's like, like beautiful. It's great. It's that rich cinematic mm-hmm. look. You know, it's just so yeah, hard where to get. You, where you get some actual definition in the blacks. Yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> not, not just, just a blob. A big blob of black. <laughs> <I know. laughs> this is where a person's supposed to be. It's in the shadows where you can't really see him, but we're going to do a chalk outline so you know he's there. No. Now, you participated in the 48 this past summer, right? I did. I, I, I don't think I saw your film, but I heard rumors that you had. Dance of Life, right? Dance of Life. Did oh. you have like a huge team? We did. We had, I think it was like 79 people. Oh, wow. Whoa. Yeah, we had. Um, there were 105 teams in San Diego. Where did you drum up yeah. 79 people to make a movie? Well, it's because we had um, 19th century uh, reenactment Cowboys. Did you get that through uh, Larry Poole? I did. Larry's He's my the bud. Go to cowboy He's my man. Bud, He's a great man. guy. Do you know Larry? No. Yeah. He's awesome. He's well, like a real cowboy. He is a real cowboy. <laughs> yeah. They have like eight horses or nine. Got that track. ranch out there. Yeah. Mm. We're we're actually working on a film together. Nice. Um, yes, along with uh, Kathy Scott. 
as well. So we have uh, had 19th century reenactment cowboys, and we had Death Squad, <laughs> which is a, a full-on motorcycle club. Mm-hmm. Cannot call them a motorcycle gang. They oh, are a motorcycle club. Yes. And uh, so we – it was kind of like um, – I don't know, Blazing Saddles meets Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> and, it was, uh, and so as a result, um, the movie that we're working on right now is, is, is um, kind of inspired me. So I'm writing that, that screenplay as we speak. Wow. So it's, it, the best way to describe it is Blazing Saddles meets Sons of Anarchy meets Lonesome Dove with a touch of, um, what's that guy, Harrison Ford dude, uh, Ark, what is it? Indiana Jones. Indiana yeah. Jones. Thank ah. you. Yes, we'll touch of that. Nice. Stay tuned. What was it like trying to wrangle a forty-eight hour team that large? It was easy um, mm-hmm. because, to be honest with you, that that wasn't an issue because these people were all professionals. Mm. Um, you know, we just told them what the scene was, where to go, how to set up. Um, Larry did the choreography for it mm-hmm. and they ride together all the time. They do lots of shows and Westerns and, um, not just film, but they also do rodeos and yeah. other types of performances. So gotcha. they, they knew precisely what to do. Yeah. Uh, I'm asking cause, uh, yeah. you know, my 48 hour teams over the years have gone from, we had like 12 people when we did lucky numbers in 2007 and then. Unlucky Charms last like year <laughs> was like, <laughs> wasn't it? Well, it was. It was. Time. It was Steve, whose face was in cereal the whole time. Yep. Jessica Drain. Yep. Uh, Me. You, Carl, Carl, Laura. So five actors. Okay. Myself, Brian, Brian. Uh, Joey, Joey Nava. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Three techs, right? Diego wasn't on the film. Was he? No. No. So it was there were eight of us. Well, yeah. you know, it in was, total, including the actors, we had Barb, Bob Gardner, Mister Thirty One Emmy. So, I'm oh, really, okay, you know, yeah. it's like okay, he's a great guy. Let's just him wind him up, recently. let him go. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's, he's amazing. Nice. He's awesome. So, I'll send you the trailer um, to it. We actually have over two thousand views already on, on our trailer. The trailer oh, alone. The trailer alone. Wow! Just yeah. by where do you post that? Where it gets two thousand? It's just on YouTube. Just YouTube. Boom, yeah, 2, I mean, people just love it, so they people keep share it on Facebook, sharing it probably. everywhere. Yeah. That's yeah. what viral's all about. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we got it. We got a team like thirty strong going into four points. Oh, very good. So very good. It's the largest team I've managed in a long time. So uh, you'll you'll do great. I'm kind They're of freaking out a little bit. And Jody Silly's not helping. She's like, "Why do you keep making such a big team? You don't need such a big team. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna shoot yourself in the foot." I'm like, "What are you doing? Like, don't tell me that." She's not on the team, is she? No, oh, no. Okay. She's got the she's got the fall film festival that weekend. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, I think mostly she's just angry that I'm sucking up a bunch of people who could potentially be going to the festival. Oh. <laughs> Dare she? <laughs> I, yeah. I, I emailed her a couple weeks ago. Research, I'm, like, I'm like, don't do don't do yeah. it on this weekend. She's like, there's only one weekend available that month at uh, the theater. She's like, I have no choice. <laughs> she's she's an amazing force. Jody, she's just so creative and, yeah, and she's just a steamroller, man. She's she just, is. I don't know she how sees she stuff she wants to do and she day. goes for it. Yeah. She does, yeah. boy. She just amazes me. Yeah, there's a lot of people in this town that just, you know, they're not taking no for an answer and they're just going forward. That's I right. love it. I yeah, mean, it inspires me every day to keep going at that in well, my own way. I know? mean, if it's of any encouragement, I, I I talk on a regular basis to to our our leaders and they really get it. 
they understand the power of of the film industry and mm-hmm. what it can do to create jobs and to bring sure. revenue. And and they're really they are solidly behind it. It's yeah. just that I think we get a little impatient because we think myopically that this is the only issue that they're dealing with. And there's such a barrage right. of, of yeah. issues that they that you know, working as a film as an art commissioner, um for the city, I, I do understand a little bit about working with mayors and city councils. Mm-hmm. We're one of thousands of things they deal with are. in a week. Yeah, I, I went to a meeting a couple of months ago. Yeah, it's just crazy. So, you know, for every person talking about the film commission or the lack thereof or whatever it being revived, there are probably like two or three people talking about rusty swing sets in like Chicano Park or something yeah, like that. Exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot, there are a lot of issues. Glass in box, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Potholes all over town. <laughs> Yeah. And procedures. I mean, there's staff reports and things yeah. that have to be generated that mm. you just don't. The business side of actually running government. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they have all the they have all the same problems as any normal business person. Plus, they have to have this public forum all the time. It's got to be exhausting. Just, I don't want to do government. <laughs> I have no desire to get into politics. Oh, it's hard. I mean, you <clears throat> you have. Excuse me. You, you get a lot of um, issues, and you have to be able to have a um, well balanced perspective, mm-hmm. and keeping in mind so many different people who who have varying um, perspectives. So, and try not to have an agenda. I guess right. Yeah, exactly. Try to at least. You know, they're only human. <laughs> yeah, and take yourself out of it. Depersonalize it. Yeah. And then you can work much more collaboratively. Yeah. I, I find there's a lot of ego. That drives agendas and people. One of the things I find that is the most disruptive in terms of, of, of pushing the film office forward is when people get um, in their mind what it should look like, how it should be run, who should run it, and they they push for that rather than just trying to be um, to listen and to be collaborative and to realize that there are a number of very gifted people who are smart, intelligent have a lot of experience in other areas that can bring um, some, some really good insight into this and create something that is much stronger and, and, mm-hmm. and uh, better because of that collaboration. And that's one of the, the real challenges I find. Well, I like that they're doing a, an RFI before they yes. go for any mm-hmm. RFP. Yes, um, exactly. Because like you said, all of us have various expertise. We have various backgrounds. Like I have an app development background. Yes. So yes. I have an opinion on how searchable databases should be done. Perfect. You know? And so most of my RFI submission is going to be about, hey, this is how an app should be structured so that people can easily find us. Yes. Um, you know, but then there's other people who produce a lot of commercials. They've got a certain mm-hmm. thing that they know about what production needs are are necessary to get that done. And then there's a few of us who do TV shows and we all have varying needs and we all have varying perspectives on what's important. And it's good that they're going to give us all the opportunity to voice those opinions. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they can actually kind of build a baseline structure of what they're going to do with the film office from there. I think that's, that's fantastic because it's an educated baseline Right. And that's not a guess in the dark. (laughs) And that's, that's really their mindset, which is why when they were describing it, it was re envisioning Mm -hmm. the San Diego film office. Yep. So, you know, from their perspective and not to speak for them, it's Mm -hmm. really been about gathering information and not just replicating an old model. Mm -hmm. Mm 
Mm-hmm. You know, so I applaud them for that mm-hmm. that perspective. And like you were saying about the RFIs are, are, are very important. Yeah. yeah. That, that was the thing that really got me excited at the meeting. Uh, yeah. The film, San Diego filmmakers meeting. Was, sure. Was Don't the fact that they were, they were talking about RFI. And I was like, RFI, really? Yeah. That's great. Cause yeah. I was going there just waiting to find out when an RFP was mm-hmm. going to be going out and, Second, yeah. they're like, no, we're looking for information first. I'm that's like, cool. oh, thank heaven. Like, Hopefully yeah. they look at it, that's study nice. it. They're they do. To, execute it, to. yes. Yeah, I'm very curious to see what I'm going to learn this week, mm. <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> so we should have probably did this tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Follow up. <laughs> um, so in nature of pre-recording <laughs> episodes. Um, to that extent, where can people go to – get that information after they've listened to this episode where, where, where's everything to be found with San Diego filmmakers? Oh, um, in terms of the film office or just in general, in general, um, our website, which is sdfilmmakers.org. Uh, one of the things that people don't realize is that all our meetings are filmed and taped and yeah, edited. they're online. Yeah. And they're cool. online under mm-hmm. recaps. Yep. So if you go to our, it's like a mini film school. And you can go years back too. You can go yes. back to like 2000, I don't know. Yeah, way, way, 10 way back. or something or even, maybe before even that. Further than that. Yeah. And they're also on Vimeo, but it's like a mini film school. So if yeah. you want to hear Frank Forth you know, speak about um, sound design, you know, there's one there. If you want yeah. to hear about Merrick and Billy talk about acting. Or- I started listening to one from 2011 with, uh, with uh, our director there of What's the Vig, Al Stoffel and Ron Kilby when they did that. Uh- Misdirection. Yes, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Their, their one shot movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, after um, our November meeting in December, we have um, Jeff Everett who's coming, and he's going to be speaking on production mm-hmm. or not production, excuse me, distribution. Which um, he's been very fortunate to have um, three films distributed, and his latest full out has been uh, bought by Disney and Netflix, and so wow. he's. He's coming and going to speak about how to get your, your film distributed. Cool. Nice. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's growing too. I mean, I, I went to one early on when like, – you, were you around when like Aaron Kaiser was part of it? He's um, up in L.A. now. Yeah, he's but, a, yeah. yeah. So he's not – I don't – is he – no, he's not really affiliated with it, is he? Um, Maybe he's, he pops in every once in a while. He pops in. He was yeah. here at the last meeting. Oh, he was? Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's grown a lot since then. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Second Tuesday of every month, right? Right. At Groovy Like a Movie. Yes. There you go. Got to give a Kearney shout out. Kearney Mesa. Yes. 5205 Kearney uh, Villa Way. Mm. Um, and we do have to give a shout out to Brent Altamere and his amazing staff because they do so much to support us and allowing us to to have our monthly meetings there. And plus just all the production uh, work that they do ahead of time, getting the studio ready and making sure that that we have everything that we need. So mm-hmm. can't say enough about Brent. Very, very giving spirit. Yeah. This whole crew. It's a nice facility too. Oh, it is. It's awesome. It's yeah. just such a privilege to be able to go there. So he does a lot for our community. And one of the things he's doing right now too is a, um, uh, it's called Groovy Gives Back. And if you go to their, their website or to their Facebook page, um, they're ha- having a, um, a, how do I want to say it, a opportunity for nonprofits to submit um, descriptions of them, of their organization, and Groovy's going to actually do a production for them of some oh, type. Nice. Yeah, so any nonprofits out there looking for video? Um, Boom. Apply. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> 
Very cool. Is there anything else uh, that you want to share with people? Well, I just like to share how important what the intellectual does. You know, your podcasts, how important they Who, are. Who, us? Yeah, you. <laughs> yeah. We're just a couple guys doing random stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, you know. Uh, Every podcast has got a different attitude, personality, we'll say. Yeah. This is a, this is a good clean. This is one I'm like, hey, mom, you should listen to this. Yeah. What? <laughs> well, is, I don't know. This is G-rated. My mom of. listens to this. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I, I did like, want to just say how, how appreciative you know, uh, I don't. I can't speak for the film community here, but I can speak for myself, who, who works within it, um, for everything that you guys do in promoting the uh, film community and introducing it. You know, introducing the members of it mm. to the general community, who who never would probably ever get to meet a lot of these people. So, thanks. I mean, it's it's important. What you do is important. That's what I'm trying to say. So. I don't take compliments well, so... Yeah, no one yep. ever told thank, me that before. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I'm, I do is important. Wow. I told you when we started I was strange. <laughs> so. I don't know how to no, react it, to it's, that. Um, it, it, it's funny. The first year, I, I really didn't do a lot of focusing of the show on the community here. Yeah. Mostly because I was just hiding from the community here as much as I could. Because I'd been out of it for so long and I didn't want to... I didn't want to step in and have people go, ah, oh, who the hell is Dave? Why is he doing that? You know, like, but, uh, it was, it was the fall film festival last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I was standing on stage and, you know, unlucky charms had shown. And mm-hmm. I think I was standing on stage with Brugemeyer and back when he was the enemy. <laughs> yeah. But he said like nice things, you know, he's like, a nice guy. Nah, I know. He's like, why are you saying nice stuff to me? You know, it's like, I don't know. But, but it, it kind of threw me for a loop a little bit. And I'm like, why am I hiding from people? Like, yeah. Collaboration. I that feeling. This is my town. This is, these are the people I want to be working with. I need to like step up. So by the time we got to the winter film festival and I was standing on stage again, mm-hmm. And Brugemeyer was saying the same stuff again. Yeah. Well, I'm, <laughs> I was like, uh, it's time. It's time to focus on, on yeah. us a bit. So um, I, made a, I made a commitment that night and vocalized it from the stage before telling anybody involved in my podcast. said, I'm going to do at least half of the shows on San Diego from here out. It's great. More and than it's that. really turned into yeah. mostly a San Diego show now. So, yeah, which is fantastic. But we're fun. Yeah, I mean, it's great to hang out with us. Well, it's so much easier to talk to people here than going up to LA. It is. <laughs> yeah, especially for me because I live upstairs. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah, this is better this than is the my basement. Apartment. Though. Yeah, <laughs> it's really nice. This is such a great neighborhood. By the yeah. way, yeah, yeah she was you. actually complimenting was. the neighborhood and everything before. Yeah, it's really yeah, cute. it's an older part of. Uh, he says, "Is the OB. is the is the police sign yeah, outside the door?" Oh shit! Is that my car <laughs> driving down the road? <laughs> Whoops. Oops. Oops. That's fine. <laughs> you can swear on the podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just realized yeah. I said, oh, my gosh. <laughs> no, Wash my mouth out with no, soap. That's okay. No FCC here. No, this is, this is, a, this is a, a light, more family-friendly episode than, mm. than Oh, really? Many. Does it get pretty gnarly? Yeah. Um, we had Randy Davison on. We always go back to this one when yeah. people ask how gnarly it can get. Randy Davison ended up being on two episodes of the show. They were both recorded, like, back-to-back at this table. But Steve Schwartz, Mark, and Randy finished off a bottle of Tijuana scotch, scotch oh. over the course of the And of you the gave episode. me water. What's up with that? <laughs> it's three in the afternoon. Oh. <laughs> Randy was in a lot hour. later, you know? Yeah, and we've got, you know, three more interviews to do today. So uh, I can't let Mark get under, the, right. under that. Okay. Many I had a late one last night, too. So. Yeah, but right. uh, 
But yeah, this, the, the entire slide. second episode with Randy is him talking about what it was like wearing his, wearing a cock sock on Masters of Sex. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm sorry I missed that one. Well, the people need to know. <laughs> yeah, they needed to know that. that That's was something I was fascinated with. It is actually a very fascinating Oh, I'm sure it was. Episode. It, it took him about <laughs> you know, an hour to tell it that. It took him an hour to get through it because he, yeah. he had to get through all his own hangups about talking about it. But yeah. But uh, I can imagine, you know, we all we all talk about, you know, what what if you get the big job? What if you end up on the big sets? You know, are you going to understand where your marks are? Are you going to understand, you know, the mm-hmm. lingo? Are you going to understand all this stuff? Here's poor Randy Davison on a big show. Yeah. And they just basically throw this cocksock at him and expect him to know how to wear it and what yeah. to do with it. <laughs> you know? And then he had to take it off after a scene and he threw it in the take trash. Take it off. And they're like, hey, trash. That? We, we need, that, need back. that back. Oh. He's like, what? Oh, God. <laughs> like, yeah, we wash them and reuse them. He's like, what? Oh, no. <laughs> That's not in my contract. No. <laughs> but, you know. The it, listeners it, need to know that, Francine. Yeah, yeah guess, but for me, it's like, if, you know, that's one of the wonderful things about this show is like, getting to hear other people's experiences in these situations that some of us may eventually be in. Yeah. Maybe it helps the next person understand that there's a certain way to behave when you've got that kind of scene and there's yeah. certain things that you do. And I, I don't think I'm going to be running into that, but in case I do, you know, <laughs> my body morphs into something that I'm not. Well, aware. they have a female version of that called a Merkin. Oh, oh, yes. That's a whole other episode altogether. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> mentioned that several times. And there goes this New England upbringing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, that's just, an, that's just an example, though, of how the show kind of goes. Diverse. All these other directions PG. sometimes, you know. <laughs> sometimes it's G, you know, our first, our, our episode, that, our episode that's live on, on the site right now, the, the current episode. A ten-year-old, right? Ten-year-old girl. She's the voice of Marcy and Peanuts. Right. So, you know, well, so totally different totally, yeah. podcast that episode. Yeah. You know? Well, but, hopefully we were somewhere in between, but no, this was a good clean one. I think next time we'll do something a little more spicy. Hmm. I'll, I'll get prepared. that. Uh, I'll break you up got the a scotch. Deal. <laughs> Mexican scotch. Yeah. yeah we, we like having people back. I mean, obviously so much happens with everybody. Yeah. Well, there's you know, something's coming. There's always more stuff to talk about. We'll have, so. we'll have some things to talk about. Great. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on, Francine. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's an honor. Yeah, Seriously. Delight, delight happy. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash IXE. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Audible.com is your source for digital audiobooks. My personal favorite Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, read by Stephen Fry. It's amazing. So get your free 30-day trial and free audiobook download and show your support for the intellectual podcast by going to www.audibletrial.com slash IXE.